Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Tuesday edition of the program. Merely Bo and the Great Z. How you doing, pal? Couldn't be better because I'm with you, Bo. I feel what the same. a treat. What, what a, a treat. What joy. What a treat, yeah. Whatever consternation there may be. Yeah, that's right. In the preamble. Once you get into the main course. It's it's a delight. What a delight like it is a, for two hours. A big bowl of beef soup. What a treat. I haven't made that yet. Oh, I had that uh, for... Uh, I want to run that back. Oh, yeah, we I, made I haven't that. made it yet this year. That was Sunday night, season finale. Sunday night, came home, Miss K. Don't get to blow kisses to her anymore. Oh, Very I, sad. Yeah. But... Uh, she uh she wanted to i was like what do we i want me and Artie were both like beef soup beef soup run it so she went she did it gotta tell you and i think it's every time i have it but the fact that i still think it even though she made it and i did not best ever it was un- unreal it's it's undefeated it's so good it is very good i'd never had anything like it which is odd considering you know yeah. our proximity to beef uh, that we right. hadn't figured out a way to, it's, to do it. I don't know. If it's, you're not from the you know not, Dalmatian yeah. coast of Croatia. That's it. A, a it's peasant. Be. Yeah, it's peasant. It's good, delicious peasant. Yeah, food. that's got to be hard because it's um, that that has to be because I it's, yeah th- that the cultural part of it I didn't you didn't have. yeah, but yeah it's how are you today? It's a real treat. Yes, yeah, you me. know, not how bad. I had my uh, uh, buddy Garrity has become. He's been here th- for th- two and a half weeks, and we have the first. He's clearly spoiled. Um, this morning, like he and I have our walks, we go in the morning, yeah. usually before the sun comes up and then we go at night, uh, we get the feedings before, uh, the, or the morning walk and, and before the evening walk so we can do our business. It's amazing how dogs go to the same place, even if it isn't necessarily on your property, but they will go to the same place oh, yeah. over and over and oh, I'm yeah. like their territory. I'm like, he's all sniffing around. I'm like, dude, it's you, you're smelling you dummy. Yeah. Like yeah. it's the same thing. Um, and this morning it was crispy. Because it was frost, frozen. Uh, sure, he was not enthused to go on the walk. I mean, he this is a he, he is bored to to live out. He's got fur. That's right. It's part. It's in the brochure for him. And already in like two weeks, uh, under the under the roof, he has become quite soft and did not want to go on the walk. And I had to pull him for about the first. Um, I had to pull him for probably about the first. I don't know, hundred yards, and then he finally got going. And when we made the turn back for home, we kind of go in a circle. And when we made the turn for home, he wanted to go. Sprint. Like he was Sprint City, baby. Uh, so I ran with him for a little bit. I can still outrun him, but it's not going to be much longer. It's coming. It's coming. Are you going to get one of those? Because I'd love to see it. It, it. It's become all the rage, certainly, in my neighborhood or around when I see it. Not for Nana, of course, who spoils Asa with two walks every day. Two walks every Yeah. Two walks a day. Uh, but a lot of people are wearing those leashes that's like it just kind of wraps around your, your abdomen. Have you seen this? It's awesome. I love it. I you think mean, it's they hilarious. put it on a human? The human yeah. wears the leash? The human wears so that you don't have to hold it. You can do whatever. And you oh, just like kind of walk with your, your dog. trip all over the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And really? It, yeah. So it goes kind of like around the person's waist and then oh, so the you dog. Can, like, and you can whatever. So you just don't have to hold a leash. You can keep your hands warm no. in the winter. I'm going to tell you right now, that's dumb. And you should not do that. <laughs> so they're... <laughs> I think it's it's hilarious. Well, my wife's certainly going to have it. I guarantee it'll be bought by an Amazon by the time I'm off the air. If she's listening right she's now, listening. she's for she's sure. buying it. What I would waste leash thing. What I would caution her is that 
dogs are animals and sometimes sure they, they see a squirrel or they see something that they don't yeah. love and there are many fails that you can find online if you so choose associate with these leashes where a dog that is a little bigger and stronger the owner's not really paying attention they're on their phone and then it sees something and takes off and this person just goes down it was great though i was walking uh oh, driving amazing i was driving yesterday which is what made me bring this up uh, and a lady was on her phone mm. and the dog i was coming on the car so she was walking you know on my side of the road so i obviously went way way far away and slowed down but the dog kind of like saw something, just kind of jumped, and she didn't take a header, but almost, and the fl- the phone went flying onto like the lawn. I was just dying laughing. Like these are still animals that are very strong. That's right. And especially if you're walking around with like a Bernese Mountain Dog, even though they're fun and fluffy, and they feel like yeah. that's a strong dog. It's up sure it when it wants to move somewhere quickly, and if you're not paying attention, so I enjoyed those. I just tell them careful, like you. You think it's freeing you up to be to pay no attention. Wrong. That's how you're going to end up on the ground. It yes, the consequences on that would be quite severe. Yeah, um, yeah. I even with even in the leash situation, running with him, you can at any point he could get onto something and you feel him pull. And I'm thinking, boy, three months from now, that's going to be a different pull. Oh yeah. Like right now, it's pretty easy, but it's going to be it's going to be a more significant pull. He was running with Bootsy uh, the other day, and oh, and man. Bootsy took off running giggling and all of this and the whole time i'm just thinking bootsy's gonna get clipped oh yeah at any point like he's going down i'm like you know what for now this is fine but like in three months you're, you're running with buddy garrity is gonna have to be in the backyard yeah. only so that's a soft landing yeah because he's gonna fall have you dropped the leash has he ever pulled it out of your hands or you dropped the leash and then it, you know how it always then it goes like zooming towards the dog has that happened the one we had a uh we actually had when we the first week we had him um it was when it was right after it was really, really cold and the, the leash was not on. So I, I like it pulled him to come and the leash came off and I went, we were outside of the perimeter and I went, Oh, oh boy, no. like this could go South. Thankfully I remembered treats. You have treats. He will come for the treats oh, always. Yeah. So that yeah, you had to stay calm. Hey buddy, come get a treat. Come yeah. get a treat pal. He's uh, Asa, if the handle of it and my mom will drop this from time to time, gets on the ground you know and then it kind of retracts which are coming out oh, the retractable she one, yeah. freaks out like there's nothing that scares her more than the leash handle being on the ground then she tries to run away from it and of course it follows her because it's connected to her oh it's comedy it's gold chaos. it's great nana chasing yeah, a leash nana, handle yeah. i like it yeah i like it um here's where we are today kids we've got uh oh this is appropriate uh, assistant general manager glenn cook slated interview in tennessee yep. in nashville for that general manager vacancy per nfl sources glenn interviewed last year in minnesota um and now interview was in chicago last year too wasn't it chicago and yep one of the best guys the best the guys. best I, I, it feels like a tough spot that would be uh, there's a lot it, going on it doesn't there. feel like you're inheriting a great situation not only are you not inheriting a great situation in terms of roster that I think, to Mike Vrabel's credit, maxed out totally. its talent level. Yeah, um, We were right that they were done early. They yeah. just drew it out a lot longer. Sputtered, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're inheriting that. You're also inheriting you know, a force of nature in Mike Vrabel. Uh-huh. And he is kind of that organization. Like him and Derrick Henry are the organization. So that's part of it, too, that you're going to have to deal with. And what path does he want to do? Is he on board for a tear down to the studs, 
rebuild because it although you don't have to do that i guess i mean a lot of teams don't pittsburgh didn't they've stayed up you can stay up you just have to be really nimble in the process of of kind of loading that roster back up but i, I do i think that's a really tricky job yeah because Tannehill's probably done malik willis is, you didn't draft him doesn't and doesn't look Mm-mm. ready or soon to be ready no you know dobbs is a free agent i'm sure at the yeah. end of the year um Henry Derrick Henry's only getting older, even as productive and awesome as he is. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks is your number one threat in the pass game. Who is, you know, Robert Woods is maybe Robert Woods will be better, but he's no spring chicken either. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough. That feels like a tough situation with Jacksonville on the ascent. Houston should be able to get good quickly if they, especially if they had had the number one pick, would have helped. It would have been very helpful for them. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's I already a saw a mock this morning from Mike Renner, who we've had on the PFF guy. Like he has them taking Will Levis second. If that doesn't scream Zach Wilson, I don't know what does. I, I don't know. You do not force that. No. Do not force. So he has, Where does he have Fields going? I'm not, I'm not Stroud, Fields. Seven, Stroud seven to the Raiders. Huh. There's a lot of people that like Levis more than Stroud. Uh, he's got a big time arm. It's a lot of the Wilson stuff, though, right? Like. He was good at Kentucky. Yeah. I'm not suggesting he wasn't. Um, but it wasn't like you were watching Kentucky. There, at no point, and I watched a fair bit of Kentucky, watched quite a bit of SEC, and no point watching Kentucky was like, oh, that's that's a dude there. You know, like as he's a nice, team, he's a nice player. But yeah, as a team, they got to a certain level, and you would have thought if he was as good as they yeah. think, he would elevate them higher and to the next, and yeah. it never happened. No, uh-uh. So, and then it's crazy, like – they're going to force a lot of quarterbacks. So Bryce Young is going to go number one. He's a pretty slight dude. Like he's six foot, but even six, Baker was around that height. But Baker's had a had a bigger frame, especially you know lower body, his legs and stuff, pretty sturdy. Bryce Young is a slender dude. Like he's yeah. he's six foot six one, but slender, lightweight. Uh, I see. I even well, I'm sure we'll talk about it as all this goes on. But like the Chicago, what they're trying to do with fields and their gm talked today about kind of trying to leverage all that it feels like is what they're doing um maybe who As gives they them should the best offer for sure and i mean if, if the best offers for fields or the number because honestly going up to number one is really hard it's been done like five times uh the colts did it for jeff george rams the rams did it for Goff. the by the way who ended up in atlanta it was atlanta they traded with so it was chris hinton i believe oh yeah was uh-huh. that trade that's right so the colts go up and get him 95 it was carolina um, they traded out, and it was Cincinnati that went up and got Kajana Carter, oh, if you man. remember that one. Yeah. Uh, it was the Rams in 97 went up to one and got Orlando Pace. So that one worked out. Michael Vick in 01 with the Falcons and the Chargers. And then, to your point, the Rams with Goff moved up to number one from Tennessee to go number one. So it doesn't happen very often. It's hard to do. And so you could understand how the new general manager in Chicago would be trying to weigh all of that and decide – where where's my biggest value here how much do i believe in fields do we love young or do you create the notion that you're going to draft young you're fine drafting and moving off of fields in order to create interest yeah and i think yeah so the bears gm was addressing the media yeah says he absolutely expects fields to be a starting qb he said he absolutely in quotes has to be absolutely blown away to take a quarterback with a first overall pick I mean, doesn't that, the mean fact, never. No, sure doesn't. Remember Arizona with Kyler. Can always talk yourself <laughs> like, into anything. Yeah, for sure. But I think what's going to happen is to to buttress it all. The Levis will be a reach 
in my view, based on what I've seen. Um, Stroud, Stroud's got some pieces, but the, he showed a lot against Georgia, so I think that leaves people with a little better taste about him than what yeah. you had leading up to it. But I saw one with Anthony Richardson in the top ten. Can either of you tell me where Anthony Richardson played college football last year? No. Oregon. Florida. Oh, he was the guy that people loved, and then he like in fell off game, of a cliff. And then fell off a cliff. Yeah. Wildly erratic. I mean, just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. has a ton of individual ability. Yep. You know, that's where we are. Great looking player, but you're going to see teams reach for quarterbacks. And one thing that's happened is that you, if you draft a quarterback early, you don't have to be married to him for the rest of your life anymore. Yep. I mean, the Jets in two consecutive drafts took, or not consecutive drafts, but two consecutive quarterbacks took guys number two overall. They're going to move off of both of them in two years. So you're not married to them the way you used to. No, and people have talked about that with the, the lack of guaranteed money. I, and look, if you're the if you're the Bears and you have a similar evaluation on Young and Fields, of course you'd want to trade Fields and keep Young because you have two more years. Sure. Two years are already in the can with Justin Fields. And you, as exciting as he is, and I think a lot of us are in Ohio have Buckeye lenses on him because you know yeah. what he was as an Ohio State Buckeye. Fantasy football people have a fantasy lens on it because even though he was not a productive passer, he was such an effective rusher mm -hmm. that he was a fantasy superstar for mm -hmm. a majority of the season. But I think that you've got an opportunity, and you're seeing people go back and forth now, I think a lot on Twitter, talking about you know the draft people. You know, Well, I had a higher grade on Fields. Well, I think I'm going to have a higher grade on Young and, and yeah. that they have a chance to do that. I think there are plenty of places that would love some fields yeah. on their football teams. Um, I think they would ha you'd have to understand. Like, to me, it feels like, and I don't even want to say this out loud, but let's just go play some, some chess here. It feels, and a lot of the vibe coming out of Baltimore is that Lamar Jackson is done there. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so if he were to depart, doesn't it feel like, the Ravens, a savvy organization like that, would be one to say, we'll take Justin Fields. You can basically run a lot of what you did before yeah, and have a guy that's younger. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't welcome him into our division. No. But it, it, it feels like they're, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, there are going to be a couple guys, Brady, big-name guys that are going to be, it feels like, will be on the move. And then that will create opportunities, I think, for Fields, the team that makes the most sense just from their offensive stylistic standpoint right now would be the Ravens, right? Yeah, pop pop right in there. Would and what do you have, what do they have to give up? That's the real question right now. What is Justin Fields' market value right now? And then what do they get for Lamar? Is the other is the flip of that. Well, they would have they'd only get anything if they franchised him, which they would. And they're then not going to trade him. They're not going to give him give him up for nothing. Well, right. You know, you get so a, a wonderful to. third round comp pick. <clears throat> they yeah, love those comp for picks. For a former there. MVP, that'd be tough. Yeah, that'd be tough. Um it's going to be that that stuff's going to be fascinating. This will be the second straight off season where big time quarterbacks are available. Um, we saw it last year, and I think you'll see it again this year, where some big time QBs are available. We have our 2023 opponents that is now known. We will host Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Chicago, Jacksonville, the Jets, the Niners, and the Titans. Uh, we will go to Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh, of course, and then Denver, Houston, Indy, the Rams, and Seattle. So that is. Uh, where it's at there's a lot of teams with uh, poor records on this and this is what happens when you finish in the bottom talking of Arizona of course talking of uh, the Rams of course the Broncos of course but in some of those instances Indy as well Houston uh, but in some of those instances there is 
an opportunity to bounce back quickly. Like you would think that Denver would revert back to some type of competency. No doubt. Next year, New York's a quarterback away from being very, very good, I think. Um, and what happens in Arizona now that uh, they've moved off a cliff? So there's a lot going on. Yeah, a lot of big, uh, a lot of big road trips in this three one. west, like significant. And Houston is not nearly as close as it feels like it should be. That flight is. Don't you agree with that? That flight always feels longer, and the airport is so far from the stadium is it? that you're on the bus that, that's for. That's the problem. It's a 40 minute bus ride. After yeah. wait, from the time that that game ends, yeah, to the time that we arrive home, is easily five and a half. There, the the five and a half. Are two most annoying road trips post game, right after a game, would be Houston. Yep, hundred percent. Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. Well, why is Baltimore so bad? Um, do you recall complaining the entire? No, no. Or was that Washington? Washington. Washington. Yeah, Sorry. I'll say yeah, Washington. Yeah, Washington. Because we fly out of that's a good. You fly out of Baltimore. Yeah, it's yeah. a good forty-five to an hour on the bus. Yeah, before you can hop on. But at a least plane. that's a short flight. But yeah, that was out. That was oh my god. Well, it was also like fifteen minutes in New Year's, Year's Day. Like, what are we doing? Right, give me a car. I'll drive. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I mean, you got. The th I offered to drive. In fact, as part of my good husbandry. Oh, that's a good hus good husbandry. Yeah. Would you want? Um, so, when's the last time we've been to Seattle? Has that been a minute? Uh, the last oh, time yeah. we were in Seattle, that's Skittles they, game. They right? threw Skittles at Zagura yeah. Coolis. The great the John Football. Okay. So started for us. Doug Baldwin was still playing. Caught a couple touchdowns. Marshawn Lynch was still on Seattle. Yeah. So you go there once every eight years. Okay. But now it's going to change with this extra game. You're going to pick some things up, I would imagine, you know, that you wouldn't have otherwise. But yeah, that's once, once every eight years that Maybe you an get overseas to, game? you get there. And yeah, there's, there's, I've heard rumblings of Germany. The Germans. The Germans. I'd have to go to that. I'd have to move some schedules around to go to that. The, that, be, yeah. the homeland. I mean, Why not? You got it. You got it. Um, just ram it. We were out there a couple of years ago for the Chargers, and Awful. then uh, Denver. Cole. Cole. The last it's been so long that we play we've never played the Rams in LA. Is that so? That is so. Yeah. And that was last Chargers time was St. Louis. So we played the Chargers twice N not we played Chargers twice out there but only once in SoFi the time before was at that soccer stadium. Oh yeah, yeah. That Carson, was pretty yeah. cool. Which was actually pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, Rams last time we played Rams Josh McCown was our quarterback. I want to say it was 8 years so it had been 2015. Almost took a header on the 2015, off the field 2015. It was a skating rink. Yeah, so around the dome in St. Louis. Oh, you were in St. Yeah, St. Louis. I'm going to the, the skating rink. What are you talking about? Oh, I see. The field was surrounded by when you got close to the barricade was c concrete. Yeah, it was actual cement, and he it was quite got slippery. Shoved out and ran through, and then hit that and slid, and then like crushed into the wall. That was the game that he played with a a broken rib. Mm -hmm. Tough dude, man. Oh, you could hear on the sideline. You could hear him just be like. I was like, Dude, this guy's a beast. Speaking of SoFi, did they pay $5 billion for a greenhouse? Is that really what happened with open doors? That's right. So did you see this last night? National Championship Games last night. We'll, I'll talk about the game oh. in a second. But So it's raining in SoFi. Yes. There's raining. water all over these concourses. People are slipping and falling all over the place. They're getting taken out on gurneys. So that's happening. Yep. The top row, apparently, because the way that the it was raining, the top row TCU fans, if they needed more to have to deal with, were soaked with rain coming in 
to SoFi Stadium. Because yeah, the sides are open. So they paid $5 billion for a greenhouse. Now, I've heard people who have reviewed the place say it's incredible, but also, if it's even remotely warm, you cook in the place. Yes. It's not, it's not great. When we were there, the, the employees that work there, the people that work there call it a $6 billion POS. Well, that's what I'm curious. I'm thinking about this yeah. last night. I'm seeing these videos, these people falling all over the place because they can't keep the rain out. Now, it doesn't yeah. rain there I mean, those, that often. Those, but that's like, a direct quote. That's a national championship game. And I was like, eh, okay, well, I mean, it looks pretty nice. And, like, by the end of the day, every single person you came in contact with in that building thinks of it that yeah. way. Brutal. They could have built a Just close cooler it. version of Minnesota, obviously with $5 billion, I would imagine. You would think. But – did the money just not go anywhere in L.A.? Is that the deal? No, I, I think the they problem thought it was is, cool what they did for the, for the dome part. They couldn't go any higher because of the flight pattern. Oh, that's right. So that's why they with had to LAX. Uh, yeah, I believe that's the case. I wonder why they didn't just go. Well, you got to put something on it so you can host things. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could still host national championship games without. I think all you're getting by the. What are you getting? Just a basket? What can you What can you do with? What's the the fake roof give you? I, you can't host a Final Four at that place. I don't think so. The weather's not like, that the, stable. The in sideline LA. guy at one point, like his camera, you could tell there was raining, and I'm like, where is that coming in from? Yeah. I mean, remember they had a lightning delay the first time they ever played there. They had a weather delay. It was Monday Night Football. So you play that? I mean, the, like, not an hour drive from there, you could have played at the Rose Bowl last yeah. night. That would have been rainy. But it's the flipping Rose Bowl, man. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, real quick on that last night. That is um, what happened last night is why, and we continue to do this show in the great state of Ohio, why when you look back on the 2022 Ohio State football team, it will be one of the great what-ifs at, in, a, in a program that's had a lot of them. Um, and the people who know it well know that you can do it almost by year. You think of 69 or 95 or 98 or 15 years when you had the best team in the country and you didn't get it done and honestly from a Buckeye perspective it makes you so angry they lost to Michigan it's inexplicable they lost to Michigan they if they played the way they played against Georgia they beat Michigan they didn't um, the fact that Ohio State is a botched 50-yard field goal from beating Georgia in Atlanta 10 days ago without Jackson Smith and Jigba without Cade Stover without Marvin Harrison for a quarter uh, without Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams, their number one and number two tailbacks, um, with Harrison going out with a concussion in the fourth, with the most incredible timeout call maybe in the history of college football by Kirby Smart that saved him a first down and a fourth down conversion. The fact that they blew all of that, and then what we got instead was what we got last night. Which was direct. I wonder if the layoffs hurt the favorites in the first, in the first round. Because Michigan, I think if Michigan plays TCU 100 times, they're going to win – a lot of those. Sometimes it's just the fight. You know, it's the, t it's the, it's more, it's sometimes it's just the matchup. So yeah, styles make the fights. There you go. That's the phrase I was looking for. TCU plays a type of when at, when they were at their best, a kind of frenetic spread it out thing that you can get away with against teams like Michigan to a lesser degree, Ohio state, but not Georgia. Georgia is so physically dominant. Yeah. You cannot, do that that way against them so the only way to beat georgia is with a pro quarterback with pro receivers and throwing the ball down the field there's no other way 
and Ohio State was the only one. Michigan wouldn't have lost 65-7, to but they would have lost, lost 40-something to 20 or 40-something to 17. They would have gotten beaten up. But you have got to be able to throw the ball down the field. You were still surprised, though, by the outcome. Yeah, I, I, thought, thought I thought Texas – I thought TCU would – I thought it would be a late cover, backdoor. Sure. You know, Georgia up 21, TCU gets care? a non-set touchdown. Yeah, right. You know, it's 38 38- – yeah, 24, something like that finish. I didn't see this coming. I mean, this is. Weren't the total points in the game like 67 or 68? No. And like Georgia almost covered the total points in the game. Give me, I think like, they did. I think it was like 62 or three. Stand by. And they covered, I think they it by, covered themselves. by themselves. Yeah. By themselves. Uh, it was stunning. I was with some friends last night. My one buddy's SEC guy. His name's Guy, actually. Mm-hmm. And they pulled, like, the Georgia QB. And he was like, why are you pulling him? And I'm like, really? <laughs> he's like, what's the last time he's ever going to be on the field? It's 51-7, to 7, buddy. I'm like, guy, what are we doing? they're not coming back. No. No. We can go what on. about when they put up the fours, like, fourth quarter? It's funny. My consumption of this game yeah. involved me being like, oh, it's the national championship game at about maybe not 8.45, yeah, 9. Yeah, no juice for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's on – we were going to play some sorry, which sure gets heated in the Zagura household. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. 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 Ganging up on accusations of favoritism, oh, like all it. kinds like of stuff. Because we play with a fire and ice. Have you played it with that? Have you no. Ever, oh, adds a whole new dimension, new and, dimension. and real choice to stick like it, it to somebody. I like it. So I was like, I'm going to throw this game on. I threw it on, and I'm pretty sure it like, again, I don't remember if it was 845 or 9, but whenever I turned it on, it was 31 to 7. That's right. And I'm like, in the second quarter. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, this game's over. So I turned it off at that point, and the only consumption I had of the game were for, through various clips of Pat McAfee doing his sideline cast, yeah. saying outrageous things, being outrageous, because dropping what else are you gonna do? profanity on the yeah. air, talking about the dog, which I, I don't know if you can do that. I'm not sure, but he's, it's fine. He's McAfee. Like, who cares? I feel like he's unimpeachable. But just it was – yeah, the game. I mean, they're eating wings in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. It was it was bad, man. It was real bad. It was. Um, so you went to school in Atlanta. Uh-huh. I uh, covered South Georgia high school football twenty years ago. The University of Georgia was a a redheaded stepchild of the Southeastern Conference. They held on to nineteen eighty like grim death. Like they had won. They were a program of very little consequence through the 80s and 90s and, and early 2000s. Um, they they were constantly the laughing stock behind Florida. Florida dominated them. They beat them oh, every yeah. year in the cocktail party. Oh, Tennessee yeah. used to handle them all the time in the 90s. They had no chance against – they weren't even in the league of Alabama, right? But here's what they had. They have elite high school football. And yep. the population shift to the south, coinciding with those programs I'm mentioning, Florida, Florida State, um, Tennessee, those programs all taking a step back and receding. Georgia stepped in. Smart learned at the foot of Nick Saban how to go about his business. He is a Georgia alum. He knows the state front and back. He's from the state. He's in with all the high school coaches. The one thing about Georgia, and I'm sure you felt this way when you were in Atlanta, the state of Georgia is a Georgia dog state. Oh, my God. More than Hawk, more than Falcons, Hawks, Braves. It is Georgia football. So I was there at, like, peak Braves. Yeah. And I'm sure they so people were big, into yeah. the Braves, yeah. but like the fact that Georgia Tech is is in Atlanta, is nothing, zero, nothing. nothing. It's all Georgia, and by 
And that was when you were there. They weren't even no, because it was Stafford was AJ Green. That's yeah. all mid. Were they there yeah. early two thousands? Because AJ Green had to be drafted. Yeah, like... he was mid early to mid two thousands. Yeah, that was Rick. Rick got him. Rick kind of did for them what John Cooper did yeah. for Ohio State. Did you put him on a national map, and then the perfect guy came in to solve it? Did you happen to catch any of the the pregame? I did, and I was coaching hoops, so I didn't see. Have it. you seen the clip of Pollock and Saban? So that was post game, wasn't it? When yes, he, that was after. That, that was, was after the game. Okay. Yeah. Post game. Okay. okay. Oh yeah, I did. When he was like, I thought I saw it while the game was still going on, where he says to him basically like Georgia runs the SEC, yeah. and runs college no, football. Runs college football. That was yeah. post game when he said that. Yeah, and yeah. Pollock was a great player at Georgia. He sure was. Injuries was though, and Stafford. then never. Yeah, really there was Stafford played yeah. in the league because of well, he's injury. a high pick by the Bengals, and right. they hurt his neck. Hurt, yeah. Right. never played. And then has been a commentator and done a great job yes. for himself for a long, long time. Yeah, but that was, that was that was pretty good. Saban just kind of sat there like, hmm. I think I have six national titles in the last 10 years, so I, 12 years. I think I've done okay. But it, it is. I mean, this is – here's the other thing about this sport. I know we're up against it. There are – What do we have I'm to a, do? What do we got to do? I'm going to count the teams. You don't have here, here are the teams in this league, in that league – Let's do a one-hour. Who believe that they can be Georgia. So Alabama is Georgia. Georgia is Georgia. Florida's been Georgia. LSU. LSU's been Georgia. Auburn has been Georgia. They won a national championship. Of course, they've won one. They've sure. Heisman winners. Cam, Cam Newton. Cam. This is not the No, longer. right. LSU, 100%. Of 100, yeah. I Texas A&M believes with the right coach. They have all the talent in the world, all the money in the world. Why can't we be Georgia? They should be. They're going to add Texas and Oklahoma. Nine programs in that league have either – the necessity, the, what, what is necessary in financial with boosters, proximity to talent, and give a damn level. All right. Nine of them. The rest of the country, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State-ish? Clemson? Yeah. Maybe. They had a stretch. It's hard for them to be sustainable, though. They had it's a stretch. It's really difficult. They don't have the money like these other places do. You, uh, okay, I think we just go to 220. <laughs> It just walk and then, and the next then walk. levels next. Yeah, then, be like a giant podcast. Uh, it'll be I a, will not the state of the happen. sport. It'll be a podcast. Yeah. So, given all of what you just said, yeah, when does it make sense? And it's going to. And I know people love the tradition of the Big Ten and yada yada, but it's going to make sense at some point for Ohio State and Michigan and USC to be in that league. Here's what's going to happen: there will be two leagues that will be run out of the Big Ten and the SEC. They will completely control the sport. We're not that far from it anyway. But this league is never going to be close to this league. No, but it it's not going to be too – the problem with the problem with the Big Ten is there there aren't enough schools that believe – here's a, I went through all those SEC schools. Arkansas thinks they can be Georgia. Of course. Kentucky thinks it can be Georgia. Like every school in that league thinks that yes. with the right hire – Tennessee. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee. Like they all think they can be Georgia. They all think they're one – there's only three schools in the Big Ten and four when USC comes that believe that they can be Ohio State. For that to work, you need maybe five with Nebraska, and you need to add you need to add Notre Dame in you there. You got to get Notre Dame in this conference. You got to get Clemson. Need, well, you need to you need to get three out of the out of the South. You need to get Florida State, Miami, and Clemson to come in. Come in, and and then you go USC and Notre Dame, and you probably need Arizona. another couple out there. Maybe but Arizona. yeah, it's yeah, it's it's unbelievable. That was a clinic. It was a clinic. There's Shout a beating. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. I was, I was. I talked about him this morning. Yeah, he is. It it took a while. I think it took the Ohio State game for people starting to understand his genius. 
and we he was great when he was here his press i loved him he was awesome yes we loved him. he would come and just kind of like talk to us sometimes and you're like this guy and you felt that yes he was being stifled in some regards and that's why he was didn't stay here very long but yeah he's a smart smart guy and just he had it i mean you could feel it from Mm -hmm. him when he was here it's awesome he makes two million bucks a year calling ball plays yeah at the university of georgia yeah that's pretty good that is pretty good i hope that he you know i'm sure that the uh, you know the feeling is well you want to go be a head coach somewhere and his brother's a head coach at army does a great job and i'm sure that there's some of that that's in him but he could just be the coordinator just at alabama and make two million he'll, by the way in two years he'll make four because it's just getting more and more money yeah just just be the kirby keeps recruiting the players just i mean the stetson bennett kid's probably not a pro quarterback there's gonna they have a no. five-star guy waiting in the wings yeah he's got a five-star quarterback waiting Yes, Stetson Bennett's like Peepaw Gibbe. He's an old man. He's like, uh, per Ian Rappaport, oh, the Ravens oh, God. have agreed in principle with all-pro linebacker Roquan Smith, now the highest paid at his position, five years, $100 million, $45 million fully guaranteed, $60 million in total guarantees, the first off-ball linebacker to ever get to $20 million per year, and Roquan Smith, as we know, represented himself. That's an odd time to do that, right? Are those done like now, like in the middle of a right between I, the end of the season? To and the me, playoffs? it must be that it feels like it feels like that is to make sure that they don't need to franchise tag him. Yeah, and then they can that's franchise. done, and now we can use more leverage. With I want to know where they're Lamar at the salary cap. Not that the salary cap matters. Somebody asked me that this morning. Like, oh, the Browns only have two million in cap space. Not true. Relax. Did you listen to the press conference yesterday? Did you we put that cut in there? Around. We got it. We got it in there. It's yeah. in there. It's well, you're gonna next. you're gonna restructure multiple contracts, and I would imagine Deshaun's one of them. And, yeah. And then we're gonna have forty million. Thirty five. Always. Million. Yeah. It's always manageable. You'll hear from uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry coming up next. We're off and running on a Tuesday edition. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Fans, mark your calendars for Face Up on the Lake, presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. It's February 18th. The Buckeyes are going to host Michigan at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just 12 bucks. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. Now let's head to the podium. Some of the highlights from yesterday's Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Okay, anytime this time of year, you know, we are sitting here as opposed to being, you know, getting prepared for an upcoming game um, is obviously a, a disappointing place to be. Um, we didn't get it done this year. Um, you know, we were just too inconsistent, you know, throughout the season. Um, and there are plenty of areas to work on and improve as we get into the upcoming months. Um, you know, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, you know, really assessing everything, um, you know, roster, football operations wise from A to Z. Um, and then, you know, really with the goal of getting us to um, obviously where we're playing meaningful football at this point in the year. Um, that being said, uh, a lot of uh, good people in place, players, coaches, um, staff, um, and we're looking forward uh, and energized by the challenge of, uh, you know, making the necessary changes and modifications, um, you know, so that we're, we're, we're playing good football at this point in the year. 
you know, being here in, in reflection mode and, and the finality of the season being over is obviously disappointing. Uh, but I'm in no way discouraged uh, for the future of this football team. I'm excited about the core of guys that are returning. Uh, and then we're just determined to put in the work. We're determined to put in the work this offseason uh, to shape this team and uh, make sure that we really are just playing good football come next September. And, and there's a bunch of things that, that we need to look at. We're going to take our time, as you can imagine, as we pull this apart and look at every area uh, that we can improve. Um, I know you guys saw the news. Uh, I let Joe Woods go last night. Uh, you know, not an easy decision. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Joe, the person, uh, Joe, the coach. He's a, 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 a great, great man. He works extremely hard. He treats people the right way. I just felt like it was in the best interest of our football team to go in that direction. Uh, but he will land on his feet because he's a good football coach. Uh, but with that, I'll take any questions. Do you plan on any other coaching changes besides Joe? You know, t today was really about the players, Jeff. So I met with our players all day. I'll meet with our coaches this week, and we'll have conversations with everybody. Do you think um, you, you yourself need to be more involved with the defense? Sort of more involved overall when you look at the things. Yeah, I think you look at everything into an offseason. Uh, you know, my involvement with the offense, involvement with the defense, with special teams, you know, I try to be uh, certainly available to everybody and, and help as much as I can on, on all three sides of the ball. Uh, I think it's important that when you find the right people, uh, and we have a lot of the right people in this building. You empower them, you, you encourage them, and then it's my job to set people up for success. So uh, to your point of time, I think it's just important that I set our coaches up for success. And what are you looking along for? Those lines of you looked at yourself, whether it's the play call, but you talk about time, and there's yeah. almost so much time there. For example, play calling or just even a different way of doing the play yeah, calling thing. Yeah, for sure. Apps open to anything that will help our football team. I really am. And I think that's what this offseason and this month and, and meetings are, are about. It's about pulling everything apart, looking at everything. Andrew, statistically, uh, this, the, the past defense, the secondary was like top five, mm -hmm. really going back to about week six or seven in the league. The run defense, conversely, was maybe the worst in the league, and it never really uh, improved much over the course of the season. Like, How much of that was the scheme, and how much is that – you guys need to rethink personnel this offseason to shore that up. Yeah, I think Jake, when when the performance occurs like that, it's it's never just it's never just one thing. I think there are considerations for both. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to say it was like it's a silver bullet, but it's, it's realistically probably a combination of factors between um, you know really how you deploy the players, the players that you have, and then also you just like a little bit of luck in terms of health as well. Going back to. Jake's question about leadership and your answer about not having um, necessarily the right mix in all areas. I, I think of some of your top players, and a lot of them are lead by example type guys, and they tell us that in, in some of the interviews we have when we ask them about leadership. Is there something having more vocal leaders? Do you think that's something you need to address? I think the bigger focus is effectiveness of leadership as opposed to necessarily style of leadership. So ultimately, are we getting the results and the outcomes that are desired. And I think also the other thing is like, you know, people are leaders in different ways, as you mentioned. Um, so I, I, again, I, I'd probably more focus on effectiveness as opposed to, hey, you need you know, X amount that are in this way, X amount are that way. Um, so. Kevin, do you, you hope to retain some of your current uh, defensive assistants and will you interview any of them for the DC job? So yes, uh, I'm a 
first part. And again, I just haven't had the chance to talk to the entire uh, staff, um, but I won't be interviewing them for that position. Wait, Kevin, did you say uh, yes? I'm you know, sorry. Yes or no? You will or will not? Will. Well, which part? <laughs> which question? Um, will you be interviewing present assistants for DC? No. Okay. Do you think you need organizationally to reevaluate either the importance and or style of your defensive tackles just given how bad the run defense was? Yeah, I think, Scott, you know, quite honestly, like we will always um, try and match the, you know, the personnel to the, the schematic vision for you know, for the coach. So like our coaches do a really good job of telling us, you know, what they need in a, what they need in a particular scheme or a particular defense. Um, you know, certainly as certainly that position in particular, um, you know, as, as Kevin selects a, a defensive coordinator, we'll, we'll link up with that individual and, and make sure that we're searching for individuals that have um, the traits and skills necessary to perform their job within that, within that. Sorry, will you retain Mike Prefer? I, like I said earlier, with all the coaches, I haven't had a chance to sit down with every coach. So um, those are all things that we're working through. Off of that, Deshaun, the, you know, the, the thought was the roster was in really, really good shape, the core of the team. I know there's no such thing as a perfect roster. But when you look at going into this offseason, the, the assets you have available are a little different. You don't have first-round pick, obviously. Um, has has your view of maybe what you need to add to this roster changed dramatically? And if so, do you maybe see the need to maybe try and get back into the first round or, or improve your, your draft position so you can fill some of those needs? I'll answer it this way, Daryl. We will have um, you know more than enough in terms of like resources, picks, dollars, cap space. Um, to to fortify the roster in the areas that we that we need to. You guys, how would you evaluate special teams from coaching, from kicking, hunting? How would you evaluate as a whole? Yeah, I think you know played some good games. Uh, certainly late, especially uh, there were some challenges early. I think with with Cade, you know, you have a, a rookie at that position. You knew he was going to have ups and downs, but very confident about him moving forward. I thought Corey did really well. Uh, worked in new returners throughout the season. So uh, I, I thought there were some really good moments and then areas that we really want to get better. You know, it's a tricky thing, these end-of-season press conferences, because especially when you're trying to, you know, get in the head of, of somebody in terms of what's going to happen. It's almost like if you are in one of these and you're asking about the what is going to come in terms of plans for the offseason and so forth and so on, you you're not – they're not going to give you anything there. They're not, no one's going to tip their hand no. on that. Correct. So what you can do, and I think this is the part uh, that, that makes some of these a little bit tough, is you can look back on what happened, why it happened, how do you prevent it from happening again, what did you learn from that. Those are the things that are most interesting to me on these postseason press conferences. Anything, we just had the Bears GM asked a question about, you know, what would it take to move off of one? And he used an opportunity. We have to be blown away with somebody at one. But, like, he's not giving you anything real there. He's not no. saying it out loud. No. There are a couple things in there and themes. You're right about that. Um, I thought they were very good in at least articulating the processes that they utilize and understanding that they're not all working, and that's because of the lack of success we've had certainly the last two seasons and trying to figure that out. But it's amazing to me – how they still are beating this analytics drum as if like the Browns are run by a computer that spits things out. I don't feel <laughs> right. like they understand what analytics is. 
Fair. I, I don't. The questions would certainly indicate that they have no actual understanding of what it is and the facts that analytics, if you want to call it that, which is the use of data to try to help make informed decisions as a part of an overall process, is used in every business in the world. The world. In the world. It's just information, man. It's information, cutting it, looking at it, cultivating it, slicing it in different ways to try to give yourself the best answer, the best chance for success in yeah. any single business. If you are somebody who flies airlines a bunch and you notice that over time you went from flying on your route a mostly empty 737-800 to now all of a sudden a 100% full regional jet every time you make that same route, that's because analytics identified that there was an excess capacity on that route and they were able to match a plane that better fit the capacity to then thus be more efficient and more profitable for the company that's analytics it's all risk. and so the browns use that as do every team and, and it was referenced that the browns were the number one most anically advanced team which means from teams around the league say they use it the best mm -hmm. that's what it's actually saying everybody uses them every yep. team in the nfl has analytics but that the browns use it the most effectively now, that hasn't translated to the wins and losses, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing. The two and three every single year, and oftentimes one of them is actually number one ahead of the Browns, are the Eagles and the Ravens. And we know that the Ravens are an excellent team, and it's funny because people think the Ravens, oh, that's like smash mouth, mm -hmm. old school football team. They are one of the most and have been analytically advanced teams forever. The New England Patriots, under Bill Belichick in their heyday, had maybe the first analytics department in the NFL, but that's Bill. That's Belichick. That's like old school football. He's the best. Blah blah blah. The Eagles always there, which is why they drafted Jalen Hurts when they still had a quarterback in the second round. They understand the position that import the importance of that position. They're the one seed in the NFC. The Browns' shortcomings came down to a few plays every single game. Anthony Walker said it best. It really doesn't matter. No, it, of course, coaching matters, and you want to get people in here with certain traits, but if we don't execute, they're not going to be here long. And the Browns, at times, too often were inconsistent in their execution, but. It's just, I don't know. You have a half hour, 34 minutes in this case, with the head coach and the GM, and it felt like that was kind of one of the dominant themes, but it was asked in ways that showed that there was a complete lack of understanding of what you were even asking about. Yeah. So it's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. There were some excellent questions in there, and there always are. But I, the Browns this year are not in the playoffs, same with last year, because they, frankly – didn't produce now could you say and, and there were questions about it that perhaps the browns in their desire to be so fast and nimble to deal with lamar jackson and to deal with for example the passing offense of the Bengals, that we <clears throat> were undermanned in terms of size and in the interior of our defensive line that's absolutely true and so that's something i would imagine will be addressed going this offseason now remember these same analytics guys were the ones that going into the 2020 season brought in andrew billings to do just that. Yeah. And then COVID happened. He opted out that year. So it's not that they don't – they understand all of these needs. You can't plug every single hole, and sometimes you have to make decisions of where we are not going to be as you know loaded as we are in other places. And unfortunately, one of those certainly came to roost on us in terms of our run defense and just a lack of size in the middle. I'm sure that will be addressed this offseason. Um, but it's just – when you fail to live up to the expectations and for a roster that was as talented, even with Deshaun Watson out 11 games, there are going to be a lot of questions and, and fairly so. And so things do have to get better because it's a lot of little things that add up to big things, not only in the games. I think, you know, you look at, are we 
in training camp getting ourselves physically ready for a season. Yeah. You know, we were, if you look at where we fell behind, really, it was initial run defense, right? Not a lot of tackling in the preseason. And you had, you know, a Jets game where you blew it there. And then really where the season got away from you is the three-game stretch of Atlanta, the Chargers, and New England. Mm -hmm. And you were physically dominated in certainly the first two of those games. And then New England just beat you plain and simple in every facet. So I think there's a lot of things that are going to have to be looked at, and I think you got that sense. I was down there with them. They are excellent at explaining things. They are not going to give you all the details you want. You can ask them some specific questions about players, and they're yeah, they're going to have their exit interviews with the players and tell them directly what they think, but you're not going to get that in the media. Mm-mm. So you have to understand what you can get out of them. But I did think there were some very good insights that were gleaned in this one, and I think it was clear to me that they are very aware that things must get better. My my feeling on it, and kind of summing up the, some of the roster stuff, you mentioned some of the shortcomings, is that if you go back to when this roster was constructed through free agency, through draft, um, there wasn't anybody in this building, there wasn't anybody in the NFL that thought, that thought Deshaun Watson would be out 11 games. The high end that everybody in the league thought was six, most people thought four. So when that thing came back 11, that changed a lot of things, and it changed the roster construction. If you're looking for – so all of a sudden, you built a roster that was based on the fact that your offense was going to be pretty dynamic with Deshaun Watson playing the majority of the games to one where it was a little bit of a different approach. So now all of a sudden, do we need as many defensive tackles if people are going to sling it all over on us all the time? Well, no, probably not because we're thinking they're probably going to have to chase. We're going to be in a lot of games where we score of in the 30s, they score in the 30s. So that's how the roster is constructed. Right. So in the middle of camp, you get an 11-game suspension on watching it. What the hell? This is not – this is not in the brochure. We didn't think we were going to get this. I remember when six came down, we're like, well, that's, that was on the high end of what, what a lot of people thought, not sure. just here but around the league. So that's a big part of it. If you're looking for one thing that they missed on, and I think fairly you can say they missed, it's speed receiver. It's something we talked about in camp. No I'll doubt. never forget you and me and Joe Thomas going, not loving this defensive tackle situation, and I don't love what's going on at receiver. And we were told, Schwartz, 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 give it a minute. And if not. And if not, it's good. Something. Something. Yeah. And so something there, never happened. Something never happened. So there just wasn't the speed receiver. If you if you look at the roster, and I'm you you talked very eloquently about all of the stuff in game and the anti clutch we talked about a thousand times. Those two issues were issues August one. Yep. Yep. And still. And still. And yep. so when you think about check marks for the they know that as as much as anybody does. So that's those are jobs that have to get sorted out. Absolutely. Here this offseason. Jake Trotter with some perspective coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Valley Bet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Valley Bet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Time to head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea, hard iced tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. We are joined by ESPN NFL Nation Browns reporter, great friend of the program, Jake Trotter. Jake, before we get into it, we just listened to Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski yesterday, and we'll get your thoughts on that in a second. But I just want to start. I was down there observing the whole thing. What is the rules what are, are the rules? What is the etiquette for asking a question? Because I was flummoxed yesterday at the shouting down, people just blowing through red lights and stop signs to get their questions in, even though it was about their eighth 
when other people are trying to ask good questions and, and they get no opportunity. So take me inside that room. What is it like? What's it supposed to be like? Are there discussions afterwards? Like, we live hey, in a society, live, yeah, there are rules. There are rules, dude. <laughs> like, yes, I thought that was nuts. Did I violate? No, Did never. Violate you were a victim. Okay. You were a multiple-time victim. You had decorum. There were victims, really, at all levels. Uh, I don't know if the front row or the front right had any victims, but other than that, many victims <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, those are tricky, especially a press conference like that. Because how many people were in the room? Like 30 40? reporters? Yeah, 30, 40. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it was a lot, of, a lot of people. And I always try to be respectful on two fronts. Number one, like I don't typically ask questions just to ask questions. Like if where, you know, if, if Nick Chubb is talking or Miles Garrett's talking, you know, at the podium, you know, I don't start filibustering just to hear my voice. Right. Like if I have a question, usually like I have a reason I'm asking it, um, you know, I would say like eight or nine times out of 10. And then, so, so that's number one. And then number two, like you try to let people get the questions that they want to get in, but you also have to be aggressive too. Cause like, I feel like the questions I was asking, like fans want to know, and then, you know, I want to write about what the answers were. So it's, it's difficult because you kind of have to time it right. You have to time it exactly when Kevin or Andrew is done talking. You have to get in like at the split second they're finished which is an art that some people might not be, uh, you know, as experienced with or, uh, you know, as, as talented in doing. Uh, it is an underrated part of the job, and uh, I'm glad that you, uh, you noticed that because it was – there was like a stretch there where I tried to ask a question like five times in a row and it just got body blown to the ground. Here's the deal. It would feel to me, though, if you're a few words in – and nobody else is saying anything, like, they can't then just hijack you. And it was no. happening all day Here's long. Here's the problem, guys. And, Jake, I, I empathize. You, you've been yeah. in many of these Ohio State postgame press conferences with 50 media people. And the hard thing is, is there are different agendas, right? You cover the team on a daily basis. You are and, – and the rest of the beat writers are too. And you're, you're writing stories and you're generating content on a daily basis. You got 40 people in there. You got people in there who aren't there all the time, who have different agendas and want to ask big picture questions. You might want to have specific detailed questions because what you're writing is very different than what everybody else is. I've always found that in my experience, there almost should be two separate press conferences, one for the beat and one for the people who are there once a week or once every two weeks because the agendas – and people think agenda is a negative. It's not necessarily a negative. It's just what you're trying to get out of them are two very different things, and that's what I think leads to a lot of the problems that you had yesterday. Do we have Jake? Do we lose him? I think he was cut off by somebody else trying to take over the interview, and now he's out. Now he's out. He's out. Yeah. He said, nope, that's sorry, Jake. That's, that's the hard thing, happened yesterday. It was crazy. The other thing, one of the best effective tool I've seen of this is actually from Ohio State. Jerry Gimmick does this. So what he does is he – grand marshals the press conference yeah so he stands there you raise your question then he goes you then you then you so that's it and so if you have a follow-up it's uh, i'm pointing at you you go one and a follow-up it's you you get your follow-up or if they answer your follow-up well, you know, one and a follow-up one and a follow-up on to the next so you so it's on in bay at the plate on deck yeah in, in the hole. In the hole. Ready to go. That's the that's the up that's the best way to handle those. Because otherwise you just trample each other. It just felt to me like I wanted almost to have a reality show to follow it outside the presser because it felt like there would justifiably been some 
some tense words exchanged. Yeah, with that, people. That's really what has to happen. the two two press. I don't know how much you heard of that, Jake, but yeah, we thought you, you were really, cut off. By you really somebody. need two press conferences: one for people who are there daily, and one for people who are there once every two weeks because the agendas are very different. And then I think you need a grand marshal to say you it's you your turn, then your turn, then your turn, and that way you're not stomping all over each other because it's impossible to to do. I mean, no one gets anything out of that yesterday. Yeah, it's very difficult, and I. You know, I think that, that you can establish a flow in a press conference. Like, there were certain questions I wanted to ask that I was waiting until we got to that theme. Like, right off the mm. bat, we're talking about defensive coordinator and the defense. And, and I wasn't going to stick a, you know, a Deshaun Watson question in the middle of that. Like, I was kind of waiting for that yeah. to play out. Then you come back to the next theme, and then the theme after that. And then, you know, you kind of you, – you, you, I, I try to participate in the theming of the press conference right i don't try to randomize it but other people certainly do and sometimes when things are kind of getting interesting like oh that was interesting i want to ask him about this yeah follow up um, right and i i think people should have the opportunity to ask follow-ups like i would i'd rather ask three questions in a row yes. than like seven questions total if that makes sense perfect sense perfect because then all your stuff gets answered that's where the whole thing is it's jake and then and a follow-up, and then you have it. You have the floor. No one's jumping in on you. They're not screaming, trying to get the next guy up. There's got to have we got. We live in a society, Jake. We have to. We have to follow rules here. Um, all right. So right. there's about a billion things that got to get solved this offseason. The crazy thing about it is none of these questions are going to be answered until you play the opener next year. So we can, no. we're all going to talk about all of these things, but until you see it on the field. Uh, it's going to be hard for Browns fans, I think, to be excited until you see it on the field. When you think of job one this offseason, what is job one for you? Well, I mean, the job right in front of you is to hire a defensive coordinator and to reestablish a defensive identity and to work out some of the issues that plagued you. Um, you know, I think Browns fans might be more amenable to this fact now that they've actually fired their defensive coordinator. But there was a lot to like about the Browns' defense basically from, like, week, week six on. Yep. Um, the, the past defense was, you know, fringy top five. I, like, we all understand the breakdowns were frustrating, and there were way too many of them. But even with those breakdowns, like the one we saw with George Pickens on Sunday, still a very good pass defense. And yeah. it is hard to defend the pass when, like, you can't stop the run at all. Uh, you know, like, like go back to that Cincinnati game on the road where they run the, what was it, the flea flicker and Grant Delpit bites and the guy's wide open. I mean, yeah, like Delpit should not have bit that hard, but that's the type of play that you end up with if you can't stop the run and your safeties are crashing in to try to help, uh, you know, a hapless uh, run defense. So it's not like uh, the cupboard is bare at all. There's a lot of talent there. And I do think that, that, that they can carry over some, some of the momentum that they played with uh, toward the end of the season. Uh, fixing the run defense, and this is something I asked Andrew Barry yesterday, is not going to be just a defensive coordinator issue. It's a personnel issue as well. Um, yep. I think we can debate like what that means exactly, but whatever personnel they had this year, that wasn't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it next year. Uh, so the, whether that's you, you reconfigure your, def your defensive tackle rotation, uh, your linebacker rotation, your safeties, like whatever it ends up being, you've got to be much better against the run. Like, you don't have to be the best run defensive in the NFL. You can't be the worst and have a confident yep. defense. So 
to me, like what they need to look at first, it kind of all falls in under that purview. No, you're right. And then, Jake, you talk, touched on the defensive side. Obviously, that is task at hand. Let's talk about those coordinators, the names you have seen. Uh, what are your kind of takes on those names? What are you hearing, if anything, who may be a potential favorite? And, and who do you think would be a great fit for the Browns? Yeah, I mean, I think all of those names are very intriguing for different reasons. I mean, the younger guys, like, I just don't know as much about, right, because they're younger guys. Like, in the case of Mayo, he just hasn't, you know, called defensive yet, uh, defense yet. Uh, so, it, you know, it's hard to know, like, what he would be like as a defensive coordinator. I think the other name that really hasn't been out there that I could see them interviewing if he were interested is Jim Leonard, uh, you know, who was the interim coach at Wisconsin, you know, defensive coordinator there before that, uh, you know, didn't get the head job uh, because they hired Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, which was a home run hire, by the way. But, like, that's another guy I think that they would be interested in talking to if he were interested in coming to the NFL, which I think is – uh, seemed unclear at this point. Um, you know, there might be another name or two out there. Uh, you know, Evro from from Denver, who's getting you know some head coaching looks, uh, is a guy that's really intriguing as well. You know, as bad as Denver was this season, their defense was excellent, um, and he's an up and coming guy as well. So, like, there are some other names that they could get into. I think they'll probably interview like five guys, give or take, when it's all said and done. What are we at? We're at four names right now that we know of. Um, so five, I, I don't think I there's think. going to be yeah five. Okay. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot more added to that. It's not like they're going to interview, uh, you know, 15 names for this position. I think what they need is that they've got to have a guy, uh, that's going to help establish a defensive culture yeah. on that side of the ball. And that's gotta be Kevin Stefanski too. Um, but like you talk to some of the, the players, all right. And they'll tell you, like, it just wasn't the kind of leadership and accountability that you needed on that side of the ball this year. Um, that wasn't the only reason they struggled at times, but it definitely was part of it. Uh, you know, we saw what happened with Clowney late in the year. Multiple guys were, you know, were disciplined for, for you know, kind of minor, but not that minor off-the-field stuff. You know, you're, you're benched for a series, you're benched for a play. Uh, Joe Woods last week, you know, said, like, we've had a lot of issues on that side of the ball. Like he didn't even try to sugarcoat it. Um, and when you got like, you know, guys that are kind of important pieces that are like refusing to play on first and second down. Cause yeah. they're upset with the game plan. Like you just can't have that. You can't have nope. it. Um, so they need somebody uh, to come in. Uh, who's going to have that kind of gravitas with the guys. Um, and is going to establish the culture that you need in order to have a San Francisco type defense in order to have a Baltimore type defense in order to have a Pittsburgh type defense uh, because the talent is there. It's just, can they get somebody that can put it all together for them? Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, guys hard nosed is something that they're going to be looking for. Yeah. And I think the other, I think we hit, you hit on a lot of the things that are needed. And I, I think kind of both sides of the ball, there's going to have to be, uh, there's been some guys who've been here a long time that need to take on a little bit more responsibility and leadership, yes. right? Mm -hmm. uh, because we can talk about accountability with the coaching staff. There's got to be accountability player to player too. Um, and, and you can't help your personality, right? There's a lot of different ways to lead. You lead by example, you can be rah-rah guy, whatever. Um, but our best players um, are not, I mean, almost by and large, we, we don't really know about Deshaun yet. 
you know, in terms of what type of style leadership he's going to have. Um, but in, in terms of our best players, they, they are not follow me to freedom guys. And not everybody has to be Jake, but you got to have some of those guys. And, and I think you felt that void this year. And so to me, when you look at how important is that on your list of things, as you're, you think about the roster construction for 2023 is just getting a couple of guys who have that juice to them. You know, and as I'm composing this, you know, obituary for the 2022 Brown season, what you're talking about makes the list. And I think that Miles Garrett gets too much criticism locally for a bunch of different things. The guy is like, people take him for granted here. He is a phenomenal player. He is a, yeah. an elite, elite pass rusher. Like those guys are almost impossible to get. And if you have one, like you are, you have a leg up in the game. And it, it, it can help cover up a lot of different things. And, you know, Miles off the field is, like we know Miles. Like Miles is, uh, you know, pretty mild-mannered, um, you know, pretty chill in a lot of ways. Um, very interesting. Like he's, he, he, like talking to Miles, I always am um, interested what he has to say. is a ton of insight about a bunch of different things. Um, but especially defensively, kind of like offensively with the quarterback, you just need your best player to be that guy. And I think that's going to be a big key for Miles as he looks to elevate his game to an even another, you know, to another level. Like, can he feel some of that leadership void? The Browns really need him to. Um, and I know he is a, uh, you know, he is a, um, lead by example guy, but like, let's be honest, like the, the car wreck thing, you know, took him out of the Atlanta game. And that was a game that really hurt them late in the year. You know, he got yeah. benched for a series for showing up late uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like these, these are not, I mean, like these are not like um, things that, you know, uh, uh, transgressions that are like super alarming. Um, although like, I'm glad that he was okay, obviously, you know, from the car wreck, but you just got to have that guy that everybody's kind of afraid of and everybody's going to listen to. And when he speaks up, like we better shut up and listen to what he has to say. And that's not, I don't know that that's miles style, but it, it needs to become a little bit more of it. I think if the Browns are going to reach that level, maybe this is unfair to miles. It's just kind of my take on it. Uh, I wonder if you guys agree or disagree. I do agree. I think Miles Garrett is number one, one of the... Did you see the Venn diagram today? No. One of the PFF guys, they were trying to, I think it was Sam Monson found it, it was like trying to make sense of like Miles, Parsons, and Bosa, and trying to separate the three. And the Venn diagram, Miles was here, yeah. Parsons was here, Bosa was here. Like Miles, to Jake's point, he is so damn elite at rushing the passer yes. and creating pressure that he is the best in the league at it. Is, is and when he faces is off the edge. Constant, constant double teams yeah. and so wins part, and all of that. 100%. Most like double he, team player in the league. And and people are like, I mean, I've heard, you know, fans say we need to trade. Like, you do not need it. Miles is not part of the problem. He is part of the solution. Yes. But I, I go back to that Baltimore game, and it wasn't, you know, like you guys remember the players are screaming in the locker room afterward on the defensive side. Um, you know, ironically, that was the best game they played, uh, you know, through like a two-month stretch there. Um, you know, and then come to find out Clowney's, you know, refusing to go in. Like, that's yeah. not – I don't know that that's for Kevin Stefanski necessarily to police. Like, that's for Miles Garrett to police. If, you're, if your team is going to be the best version of itself. 
because you Miles be, is right. the best player. I don't care what anybody says, like including Clowney. Like Miles is your best player, maybe your best player overall, and he's just he he's got to run the defense, right? Yeah, and I think you're right. It needs to be policed bottom up and top down. Like it needs to come from the locker room, it needs to come from the coaches, it needs all of it. But yes, there is a a mix there, and you need your best players to be a part of that. And to your point, Jake, if you were to disband the National Football League. And even if you called it for one year, but you probably even said five-year window, right? Miles Garrett is one of the first non-quarterbacks drafted, period. Mm-hmm. And that tells you all you need to know about just he's how good of a, a player. He's probably a top-five pick. He's probably top-five yes, pick. He is he's that dominant. So, yeah, we do take him for granted. That's on the defensive side of the ball. And, and yeah, I think there are things that need to happen there performance-wise, culture-wise, all of that. Flipping it to the offense, you know, we went into this season, Jake, and Bo and I have talked about all the time, you know, it's either Anthony Schwartz is the key to this offense, he's going to use his speed oh. to open things up for everybody else, or if it's clear that he's not, you've got to get somebody else in here. Well, it was clear that he was not, nobody else came in. Now, DPJ, career year. Amari Cooper, career year. David Njoku, career year. Nick Chubb, career year. We still did all those things on offense, but that feels like, to me, the biggest missing piece of this football team. Do you agree with that? And if so, how is that to be addressed is that going to be a free agent? Is that going to be the draft, the combination? But it just feels critical to me. Yeah, and, and of the guys they have on the roster, uh, you know, David Bell, Michael Woods, the second, Felton, I mean, who else am I forgetting? You know, Jakeem Grant when he comes back, off sure. the Achilles. I just, I don't, I don't see any of those guys as that guy, right? Like, I just, I don't know that there's going to be an internal development guy that becomes the guy right. you're talking about. Right. I think it's going to be hard to sign that guy in free agency given a, you know, your limited resources until you do a Deshaun Watson contract restructure or, um, you know, you're, you're the, the fact that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're strapped on draft picks right now because of the trade. So it kind of feels like that the second pick in the draft, I think they can go one of two ways. They can draft a defensive lineman, which they desperately need tackle in whatever, or if they don't go there, they're probably going to go receiver. That would be my prediction right now. Now, I, I don't know, like, I, I haven't even gotten to the point where I know who, the, who might be available then, like sure, who sure. that guy might be. But that's kind of where I see, uh, you know, that pick uh, or, or that guy coming from. You know, maybe, I mean, the other part of it, too, is you, I, I, I had forgotten about this until I was looking at the draft yesterday. They don't have a third-round pick either. That went into the Watson trade as well. Um, but thankfully, they do have a comp pick uh, from Questy going to Minnesota. Yeah, probably going to be what guys like one hundred and one ish. Like maybe that's where you use that pick. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It is a. There's a lot to like about the offense. That is an area that would help if they had like a guy that you actually you know had to worry about defensively in that position. Yeah, you have to. We never have to worry about you, sir. Great no. stuff today, as always. Appreciate your time. All right, guys. Nathan, I hope I didn't depress you too much. I was just venting about a bunch of different – it's a long season, right? We can all agree. It was, it was a long, long season. Listen, you can't, you Bo, can't sway my it. optimism. It was disappointing for me, too. It was frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating it's... for everybody. Everybody wanted this team to win and be better and be playing this weekend because yeah. you felt like, all right, we had our opportunities to do so, and, and yeah. that's what no hurts doubt. the most. 
And we, Bo, we date Bo, this. yesterday, you know how Nathan is, is half class full. It, Always, we, talk, yeah. we were talking about the season. He goes, you're depressing me. I got to go work out or something. <laughs> I, all right. <laughs> That's my boy. Always glass half full. That's, That's why right. I love him. Uh, thanks for your time, buddy. See you guys. All right, that's Jake Trotter of ESPN joining us on the Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea Hotline, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted. We'll hear from some of the locker cleanout stuff. That's coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 100 Elk, Ohio for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns as we go around the league. Uh, I did see this from Cowboys owner Jerry Jones yesterday. Losing in the wild card round will not impact head coach Mike McCarthy's job status. Get me right. You sure about that? No, I don't think that he is. I think you call Sean Payton. That's been predetermined forever. Yeah. He is in a win-now situation entirely. Well, he's not saying that it – means he's still the coach he's saying it won't impact the status which the status probably was i'd like to talk to john payton yeah i would feel like that's got you know they've been trying to do this forever there was there's that legendary story at the combine uh where after the saints won the super bowl uh sean payton put the the saints bill on jerry jones's tab and then signed an empty bottle of like camus or opus or something like that uh and said Super Bowl champion New Orleans Saints. Thank you for dinner, courtesy of the Super Bowl champion New Orleans Saints. So there's been a flirtation forever. He assisted Bill over there. Oh, yeah. Like this, if there ever was a time, it would be now. Now you got to work out compensation with the Saints. That's the thing. They're saying a one, and it's a twenty-three and a twenty-four. Um, the crazy thing is, is like if you're Peyton, your your contract situation is going to harm your new team significantly. So. So it's almost like he would be best served just sitting it out for three years and or coming up with some sort of buyout with New Orleans so that they he could be relieved of that. Like yes. give them a deal on something so that he can be relieved of that. I, to me, you got to find a way out of that. You don't want to lose a one. No, you certainly do not want to lose a one. It's uh, That's an interesting thing, and you wonder if he will ultimately, when he makes his decision, appeal to the Saints – and say, for all that I've done for this organization, yeah. can you Through help? Katrina, Super Bowl, Breeze. Help me out here. Like, throw me a bone. Yeah. Throw me a bone. Yeah. I'm not hurting you guys. Now, it's not helping you as much as it would, but, like, don't hurt me. Right. You, I think that that has to take place. That conversation uh, that that will. Yeah. 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 That 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 conversation would have to take place. Um, they are... It's still, I, I say this every time, it, it continues to amaze me. He's available after every game. He does those hits. Jerry does all the time because he's the GM and the owner. It's just wild. Um, but he does, he has been in a, probably in his mind, a Super Bowl window with Romo and Dak for 20 years. Yeah, without. Without. And not only without, but never really getting close. Yeah. Never getting to the game. Have they played in an NFC Championship game since 95? Have they been in one? I don't think Romo, because Romo only no. won one playoff game. No, and Dak hasn't. Dak hasn't. They got hosed. Romo should have. They got hosed on the Des Bryant. Yeah, that's in Minnesota. Was that Green, Minnesota or Green Seattle. Bay? Yeah, Green Bay. Green Bay. Might have been Green, Green Bay. Bay. Yes. Yeah. And then Seattle beat Green Bay because, like, the next week they dropped, like, the onside kick or something. 
Yeah, if been, I have that right. Yeah, it's been a while. That but sequence. Of, yeah, they really haven't gone. He's been chasing this since '95 when somehow they won it with Barry Switzer with the remnants of Jimmy Johnson's roster. Um, but he's been chasing it, and he's gone. He's had good quarterbacks. They've had good defenses. They've had playmakers. I really think last year was the one that, not that they would have, you know, be, they were going to be a team that could beat the Rams, but they should have been. Yeah. Like if they were fully healthy, their defense had big time playmakers. Parsons is a dude. Uh, they had Amari at that time. They had CD Lamb. Like there was no reason for that Cowboys team last year to not be one that made a run. Agree. And now it feels like they've missed it a little bit to me in terms of because Dak has not been as sharp as he was this year. He was dreadful Sunday. He led the NFL in interceptions. He's bad. Without Sunday. and has not played a full season. Fifteen, no, right? No. Fifteen picks yeah. in twelve games. No, he has been bad. Yeah. All right. Listen, they messed up trade Amari Cooper, plain and simple. For sure. That was a big mistake. And, yeah, Dak has not been – he hasn't been great. No. They're dangerous, but – I think Brady could get him. Yeah. I wouldn't bet against Brady. Me neither. This week. Well, the thing that's period, crazy is that Brock Purdy's been the best quarterback in the NFL since he's taken over for the Niners. He's been unbelievable. 13 touchdowns, four picks, 68% completion percentage. They haven't lost. The only one time where they even close, Raiders got them close. Yeah, they that's through. it. No, they've been unbelievable. Uh, a couple other things from the front office I want to run by you. The um, in, in in with the Rams and Sean McVay, his offensive coordinator left today to go to Kentucky to be the offensive coordinator there. Yeah, that's because right. he's leaving. Well, and also because it could also be that the SEC will pay two million dollars for you to be a coordinator, and you're not paying coordinators two million bucks in the NFL. So financially, it could be that too. He'd been at Kentucky before, so there's sure. past. Um, but McVeigh's got this thing that he's waiting on. Stafford says his future's not tied to McVeigh. McVeigh probably feels like he should have left last year, but I don't know that there's a broadcast job for him to fall into unless Amazon would pull Herb Street after one year. Which, I mean, if Al wanted it, they would. But you'd have to. I'm guessing that was that Kirk got some sort of commitment from them to be able to to do it. And I'm sure they wouldn't mind paying him his commitment. Whatever it is. Are they cash-strapped? I believe they're not. They laid off a bunch of people, so they must be. It must be really hurt. Yeah. yeah. Laid, laid off a ton of people. And this from Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell. Kyler Murray will have input on the team's head coaching search. <sighs> feels Careful like, what you wish for yeah, there. Yeah, feels like. Yeah. I still think after this playoffs, unless they go on a crazy run, and maybe even if. You know, you people were saying all along Arizona, you know, Peyton would I don't think he wants any part of that. I do think the Chargers job will be a very attractive job. Yeah, it's the most attra- I mean of the so what do we got? Like that one's not open right now. Right no. now we have Carolina, Denver, Houston, Houston, Indy, Arizona. Arizona. Potentially Rams. Not attractive. No, not at all. Um potentially Chargers. Yeah, that they'd have to lose this weekend if he wins a round. I can't. That'd be tough to fire. Is you get Sean Payton? Like I mean, you got to have one. I mean, it's the Spanos family. Are they going to pay a coach ten million bucks? Not and well, are they going to pay a coach their... to not coach? Yeah, because what they it, would do with yeah. They're going to pay Stanley not to coach. They're going to yeah. pay Staley not to coach. They're going to pay uh, Sean Payton ten million bucks. They're going to have to give up a one. Like is that a, is that family willing to do that I in a market know. where they don't play home games? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, none of these – what's the best – I think Houston might be the most attractive. Start from scratch, tons of cap, attractive Denver, city. you could talk yourself into, I think, as well. Russ, you got to talk yourself into that. 
depending yeah. on you know what that is. Indy's a quarterback away, but I mean ownership's tough there. Arizona with Kyler, two years ago you would have said, "Give me the Kyler." I mean, that kid had a lot of special tools, but it's all been bad. It, it insane. Bad body language, bad, bad play, bad everything. Yeah, bad at it. The whole thing's bad. None of it works. Um, one other thing from the broadcast booth, New York Post uh, reporting that uh, NBC has swiped Todd Blackledge from their team to team with Noah Eagle for the new Big Ten coverage uh, that will be happening. Blackledge is awesome. I really like him on um, on uh, on college football through the He's years excellent. on ABC. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, Maria Taylor, the host of Football uh, Night in America, will take the lead on studio duties for NBC's new Big Ten coverage. Here is the thing that nobody knows about this. So this is the the Saturday stuff is who is going to get priority in these Big Ten games? Because you have three heavy hitters, which is why the league is going to get over $100 million a year per team in order to provide this content. You have Fox at Big Noon, CBS at 3.30, and that's replacing the SEC because they lost the SEC package, and then NBC at night at 8 o'clock. Who is getting – how are they going to sort that out? Who's getting first pick? You can't – I mean, at some time you're going to have Iowa-Illinois – in a 3.30 window on CBS. That's coming. Oh, man. So you you got Ohio State. You, in terms of Big Tent programs, you got Ohio State, number one, Michigan, Michigan two, USC probably three, Penn State four. Who's doing the rest of these games, <laughs> man? That's a, that is a very tricky one, to say the least. Quite. Yes, I saw. Well, that's what you need – Notre Dame and Clemson and you need more more teams that are draws yeah you do uh I like no eagle I think he does a good job I do too I think they'll do a good job with that yeah I think he'll be fine by the way I was just looking through as we were discussing going around the league good job by us on the scores this week unbelievable yeah we limped home yeah but you started eight I, for eight I went <laughs> I got the first eight yeah I was <laughs> six of eight but then i got a couple we we both ended up with 10 yeah it's incredible if you followed we got every game one of us got every game right but three what, what did we both get wrong green dallas, bay dallas, dallas green bay um and seattle yeah all right well you're welcome and uh mm -hmm. Locker clean-out day. You'll hear from John Johnson, Greg Newsom, uh, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio. That's coming up next. You'll see Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, uh, yesterday was locker room clean-out day. Some of our players uh, were available. Let's start with John Johnson, who's been very outspoken. Let's start with him on the firing of Joe Woods. Uh, I mean, anytime you don't have success, like somebody got to take a fall for it. Uh, like I said, after the game, I, everyone on the staff, they're good people, good coaches, so I know he'll land on his feet. Um, as far as, you know, if he takes people with him or whoever comes in, are they going to, you know, keep the guys over? I, I have no idea, but like I said, everyone's good people. They'll land on their feet. Let's continue with John Johnson. Here he is on the disciplinary issues amongst the defense. Way too many, way too many. I mean, just you want to focus on winning, focus on football. It's hard to do that when you got like small stuff. You know, it's a it's a job, it's a profession. It's like you got to come ready every single day. It's just like 
way too many to be focused on, you know, we got other stuff to focus on. So this is something you just got to work on, put it in the past and, and grow from it. And I think, you know, maybe, uh, like I said, that new job position might open up a little spark for us to, to get it together. Only they control that. Yes. Yeah. Personal responsibility mm-hmm. and accountability, I think, will will help this football team. Yeah, very much. Um, here's Greg Newsom on the firing of Joe Woods. Um, obviously, um, wasn't a good feeling for me. I mean, he was one of the guys that, you know, hand, you know, picked me as well. So, you know, I have a, a lot of love for him, a lot of respect for him. So um, it's definitely sad to see him go for sure. Here's Newsom on the keys to the defensive takeaways and improvement in the second half of the season. Um, yeah, I honestly just think it's just honestly just keeping things more vanilla. I mean, like when you when you got the talent that we have on the defense, like kind of just, you know, calling base stuff, just allow us to go out there, you know, keep our eyes on the quarterback and, you know, just play ball. So um, I feel like, you know, Joe did a great job in the second half of the you know year with just like realizing, like, you know what? All right, maybe we don't need to call everything. Let's just, you know, shorten the menu down and just let those guys go out there and play. Um, and I think when we did that, you know, you can kind of see how the uh, takeover started changing around. Let's switch it to the offensive side of the ball. We mentioned this yesterday. We wanted to make sure we got it in uh, at the end, and, and it was otherwise a bit of a tough show. But Nick Chubb's incredible individual achievement. Now, I have not heard this, but I can. I feel like I already know how Nick Chubb is going to answer yeah. this question yep. in terms of how excited he is about being a 1,500-yard rusher, the only NFL running back ever to have this amount of carries in five consecutive years with five yards per carry. Here is Nick Chubb on that. It's bittersweet, you know. Um... Individually, you know, it's something I'm proud of, for sure. I had a lot of help with the O-line and uh, guys are blocking for me. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm about winning. And I didn't have, didn't have yesterday, didn't have a lot this season. So uh, it's stuff to be proud of, for sure, from, from this season. Um, it's things we need to work on. But overall, you know, it's just bittersweet uh, right now. Yeah, he did. There are a lot of things. Look at this offense I mentioned about it. Career high in receiving yeah. touchdowns for Amari. Career high in rushing yards for Nick Chubb. Tied his career high in receiving touchdowns. Career high in receptions for David Njoku. Tied his career high in touchdowns. Donovan Peoples-Jones. New career highs in receptions, receiving yards, and tied his career high in receiving touchdowns. We didn't win enough. Nope. Miles Garrett tied career high in sacks. Denzel Ward tied career high in interceptions. Grant Delpit. New career high in interceptions. Career high in tackles. We didn't win enough. No. And a guy who feels that is Joel Batonio. Here is uh, one of the one of the very best players, well, frankly, that's ever played for this organization. Here's Joel. You know, I, I hate using the word, but I'm getting older, you know. I'm getting older, and you don't know how many years you have left playing. I'm not in year two or three where it's like, hey, I, I got a lot of time left. So it um, it's one of those things where I want to win. Like, everybody wants to win, but you, you put in the work. You, you play this game. Obviously, there's, you know, we get paid a lot of money. We... Uh, you know, it's a dream to play this game, to just even have the opportunity to play it. But at the end of the day, we all want to win a Super Bowl. And, like, you feel like a little bit of your career is, you know, empty if you don't have that opportunity. So, you know, you run out of time eventually. And don't forget, he didn't get to play in the playoff game that we won in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Now, he yeah. got to play against the Chiefs, but didn't get that to play in that game. Win. Yeah. No. Be thinking about it all off season. So much more to come. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
All right, tomorrow on the program, what we learned from Week 18. Start taking a look at some of these uh, playoff matchups. Uh, this was – it was really – you want to think about box office. Uh, the NFL was really close to Pittsburgh as a 7 and Green Bay as a 7. Yeah. And if you think about how they would have done this, you know, when these games were played differently, had that been the case. Significantly. I mean, totally. Green Bay Diners would have been the number one pick. That would have been Sunday at 8. Uh, Pittsburgh Buffalo would have been Saturday at eight. Yeah, that's how that would have gone. And then and Dallas, then, and then, well, or the maybe other. Monday would Monday would whatever. Have been, those would have been the those three. would have been the three in prime time. Yeah, you know, no doubt. Sure. Um, instead, you got some new faces here, and this AFC thing is going to be a full day. It's awesome. The quarterbacks are, and who knows? By the way, did you see Harbaugh today with Lamar? Not still don't know. Is he going to practice? No one knows anything. It's how? Crazy. It's I don't impossible. know. I would agree. The next level's coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.